club. He did not understand. Again he leaped. Again he was beaten painfully to the ground. Now Buck knew it was the club, but he was so mad he couldn't stop. A dozen times he charged. A dozen times the club broke each charge and smashed him down. For the last time, Buck rushed and went down. This time, he lay where he had fallen. He's no easy one at dog-breaking. Buck knew that he was beaten. He had learned that he stood no chance against a man with a club. We've had our little battle. Now we can let it go at that. Be a good dog and all will go well. When the man brought Buck water, he drank eagerly and ate a big meal of raw meat. Here you are, Buck, my lad. The club taught Buck a new lesson of life. Life became much harder. He watched other new dogs learn the same lesson. Then strangers came. Money changed hands, and each time one or more of the dogs was taken away. They'll do a good job for you. That big dog, how much? Three hundred per o, and the Canadian government won't be the loser. Together with Curly, a good-natured Newfoundland, Buck was led away to the deck of the Narwhal, headed for the frozen north. He said goodbye to the warm Southland. Buck and Curly were joined by a big snow-white dog from Spitsbergen and a bad-tempered dog named Dave. They were cared for by Perrault and a half-breed giant called Francois. Dave wanted only to be left alone. Spitz was friendly on the surface, but sneaky. At the first meal, he stole Buck's food. As Buck ran to punish him, Francois's trip sang through the air, reaching Spitz first. Spitz, you're a thief! So Buck found, then and always, that Francois and Perrault were fair men. After many days, one morning the narwhal reached land. When the dogs were brought on deck, Buck's feet sank into something white and mushy. You'll see plenty of snow up here, Buck. The snow was only the first surprise. Taken from the sunny California countryside and thrown into the wild north country, Buck found each hour filled with surprises. Curly tried to make friends with a husky dog. The husky answered her greeting by flashing his teeth and throwing her to the ground. The watching huskies had waited for this. They closed in, and Curly was buried under their bodies. In two minutes, Francois and other men with clubs had chased the dogs, but it was too late for Curly. And Buck had learned a new lesson. Once down, that was the end of you. These men and these dogs knew only the law of club and teeth. Spitz, watching Curly's death, seemed to laugh. And from that moment, Buck hated him. Buck's next shock came when Francois put a harness on him, such as he'd seen horses wear at home. Now, oh boy, you'll learn to pull. Buck had two other teachers. Dave nipped Buck's hind legs when he was wrong. And Spitz, the leader, growled or threw his weight in the tracks to jerk Buck the right way. Ho, Buck! Stop! By the time they returned to camp, Buck had made great progress. That Buck pulls like mad. He learns quick. That night, Buck faced the great problem of sleeping. As a matter of habit, he entered the warm tent. 
To his surprise, Perrault and Francois cursed at him and threw pots and pans. Sacre bleu, no dogs in tent. Hi, none. Buck out. Buck walked around the camp and shivered in the icy wind. He wondered where the other dogs were. Suddenly the snow gave way under his forelegs. He jumped back, afraid. A friendly bark greeted him. He looked and saw another dog curled under the snow in a snug ball. So that's the way they did it, Buck thought. Buck turned round and round in a big hole in the deep snow. And so Buck learned another lesson. Perrault was a messenger for the Canadian government, carrying important information, and needed the best dogs. Soon six more were added, and the party was on its way. Ah, good. Nine is enough. Now we head for Dawson. It was a hard first day's run.